My name is Brian Tome. I'm not your average pastor, and this isn't your average podcast. Join me and millions of other listeners growing spiritual muscles far away from what your mother knows with their quilted Bible cover case. Search The Aggressive Life with Brian Tome wherever you listen to podcasts. Scott Brothers here. This is View from the Cheap Seats. We have a great show this week. Uh, we have a fantastic guest, someone who, uh, for some reason, we haven't met till now. And so many people, he has crossed paths with people that we know throughout the years, and we had heard of him. Uh, yes. His rap name was Hot Carl, and a lot of people loved, loved him, and he was, boy, I went, I took a deep dive into the Hot Carl files. And he had a big record deal. From record Mac deal with Mac 10. Interscope Mac 10 wanted to sign him. Interscope Jimmy Iovine signed him, and it looked like he was on his way. And then Eminem gets signed by Interscope, and they decided to move him forward. It's fascinating. He's written for the ESPYs. He's a huge sports fan. He wrote for the ESPYs for five years. Yes. Huge sports fan uh, and an amazing dude. And just Jensen an interesting Carp. guy. Jensen Carp is on the show, a.k.a. Hot Carl. We'll talk to him later. And then later on the show... Uh, and this is what we'll talk about at the top of the show just because it Christoph finished up Waltz. this week. Christoph Waltz has an idea about a new docuseries about his favorite basketball player, the Unicorn, and he will leave that voicemail for us later. But first, The Last Dance wrapped up, Jay, and what were your thoughts overall? I guess we can sort of give a sort of a an overview or not an overview, but what your review of the whole thing was because I got into a deep discussion with my friends about it recently. But the question is then, the fallout that has come from it after the fact. So, so my take on it in, in many ways was, uh, yes, this piece was made by, it basically was made by the Jordan camp. So, so it's a, it's a promotional piece for him and his career. That said, I do think, you know, I even still you could tell that even though his people made it, he signed off on it. He, it showed his blind spots for kind of what a dick he was. So it showed his blind spots. That's number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, it also uh, revealed to me that he is the greatest of all time, like as a player. Now, as a person, I don't know. But as a player, I mean, the truth is. The fact that they sort of left the series on the thing, like I would have come back to try for seven, mm-hmm. and I think they would have won. Mm-hmm. I think they would have won. Now, look, come I, close. And the other thing that maybe I, Indiana gets them next year, but Indiana never got them. So, Indiana never came through. So, so here's my thing. First of all, one of the reasons why, in my mind, I always disparaged those Jordan teams was, in my mind, I'm like, who did they play? Right. Who did they play in the finals? They didn't play anybody worth a damn. Well, those Utah teams were pretty good. They were really good. The Utah teams were pretty good. Indiana was really good. Indiana the was, Knicks were really good. The Knicks were amazing. So they went through a gauntlet of some tough competition, whether it was in the finals or not. Yeah. And, I, you know, it put into context a couple things for me. Number one, I think those Bulls teams in their prime, like the best team, the Bulls team that won 72 games. Yeah, 70 games. I, 70 games, 70 and 12. I think that team, or 72 and 10, I think they were 72 and 10. I think that team could have beaten the best Golden State team. I do. I really do think they could have. They're a different team. But they were a different team, but they had 
pieces that I think they were, were a two point shooting team, and the Golden State Warriors that won seventy three games, whereas it was a three point. It's shooting a different team. game, but I'm saying matchups, player to player. I started thinking about things like that. Who's guarding who? I started thinking about well, obviously Steph is going to guard you know Kerr or Paxson or you know I think B J Armstrong was gone by then, but like Steph's going to guard him. Clay Thompson's going to guard Jordan. Uh, Draymond Green is going to lock up with Rodman. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would have been an amazing Iguodala on Pippen. Yeah, and then uh, but then the Bulls still had a center or yeah. coach, so like. The Bulls just kind of had more pieces. I feel like that 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 could dominate a game and bring it on. And then when it came down to it, Michael Jordan wanted the ball and wanted the shot. When you look at LeBron in a lot of the moments, including the year that they that he took Cleveland to the championship, the big shots were made by other people. Mm-hmm. And he facilitated, so he drew all the attention to him to allow he them. He made to the be right open. basketball play, but Michael Jordan was like, "They know it's coming to me." And I'm still going to do and it. And I'm still going to win. Yeah. I'm going to win it. And I think that that's what I took away from this whole series. I also took away the fact that there was a lot of negative stuff towards Jerry Krause. And I know Jerry Krause made mistakes. And I know he was an unlikable figure in and many just ways. Just his wanting to dismantle that team showed you, like, why would you get rid of Phil Jackson? That is the thing that bothered me. Phil Jackson went on to win five championships after that. Now, he had great players with the Lakers, and they built those teams together. But True, but I wonder if he would have been able to get guys like Kobe and Shaq to come play for Chicago. Never know. He might have. Might have. He might have been able to. Or Maybe. someone like that. He was, <clears throat> you could have locked him in, and he could have been that coach for you, but then he goes on to win five more championships. Five more, which tells you that, it maybe wasn't you. Jerry Krause, you picked him out of the, the league in, where was he, in Puerto Rico you, or Dominican Republic? Him, and you gave him his shot. when it was, you, you got rid of Doug Collins, who was a popular coach. It was amazing. But you, Phil Jackson proved that you needed him. And your desire to get rid of him in that last year, that's amazing. It's always amazing to me when the bar is set so high and you can reach it and make it. The crazy thing for me is now all the fallout afterwards. This entire week you've just heard... Pippen is now pissed. Yeah. Pippen is mad. Uh-huh. Scotty Pippen, who, you know, Jordan at the beginning said, you can't think of Michael Jordan without Scotty Pippen. He was the best teammate I ever had. That's what he says in the documentary. But then he's like, the migraine thing was kind of bullshit. Right. You know, like I would have never done that. The, the, he was like, I guess it was just frustrating that he had a migraine. Like I was almost near death after I had the pizza that I'm claiming was poisoned. And, you know, I had the flu and I still played and I wound up, yeah, you're Michael Jordan. Yes, yeah, yeah. but Pippen couldn't handle it, and as Pippen a result, came back on the court with his back in two pieces. Dude, that was and you talk about courageous. Like, why aren't you talking about that? Why aren't you saying that's the lasting legacy of that's who that guy is? So right. forget about the flute. Like Jordan had many opportunities to absolve Scotty in he that did. moment, he and did. he did not do it. So Pippen's Scott, pissed. So Pippen is pissed. P- he was mad that Pippen decided to do his knee surgery uh, instead of right after the season at the beginning of the next season. That's right. And and put them in a hole as far as that goes. He felt like that was not the... Because it's not the thing that Jordan would do. Because think about Jordan. He's the one who started rehabbing right away so that he could come back in the playoffs that That's first right. year. That's right. So, like, Jordan had a different attitude towards it than his teammates, and he just required that everybody have that attitude. The fact that he said Horace Grant leaked all that stuff out. Maybe Horace wasn't the guy who leaked it out. I don't think he was. And then you look at Jordan, you say, who are his best friends? His assistant and his dad. Well, your dad has to be your best friend. That's right. He's, you're part of his family. That's what it is. But his assistant? 
That's your best friend. You don't have any other friends out there, like no childhood friends, no friends from, you're not friends from with guys from the North Carolina days, from college or whatnot. You have no friends from Chicago. You're just trying to take people's money. Like Will Perdue is just like, this guy's an asshole. Right. You know, look, you gave him a championship. And Bill Wennington, I think, had the most zen view of it yes. at all times. Bill Wennington is like, this guy's not passing to me. He never passes to me. And I think that's that's where Jordan evolved on the court in terms of allowing other players to succeed. And I'll say this. I thought the best moment in the documentary, and I know you'll feel this way too, was Steve Kerr's speech to everybody afterwards. Steve How Kerr's- funny was Steve Kerr at the parade and the celebration after they won so and after Steve he hit that Steve Kerr's shot. poise at the parade where he says, you know, I knew the ball was coming to me. Got in the timeout and Phil said, Steve, you're going to have to save Steve, us. Steve, you got to save us. And I looked over at Mike and I'm like, here we go again. I got to bail Mike out again. And the crowd laughed. Like and, a whole crowd of hundreds of hundreds thousands of people, people laughed. To get a laugh from a crowd of 100,000 people and from Michael Jordan and from Phil Jackson. And then just to turn around and walk off was like he hit the shot all over again. And in that moment, I said, this guy is going to be a personality. Yeah. I'm sure people saw that. NBA was like, this guy's going to we need to get him on the mic, which yeah. they did for many yep. years. He yep. wasn't a great announcer. That's right. And then they're like, get it. This guy needs to coach. Right. And the story of his life and his father. And, oh, my God. And the sadness that. His mom, the sadness that he had to endure, right, and and still had to like punch Michael in the chest when they were like, well, he had to him. fight it. But that story, I think, is the type of story that Steve Kirk can then show to all of his teammates. Man, I won five championships. I won three with the Bulls. I won two more with an unbelievable organization in the Spurs, and then he's won three on his own as a coach. So this guy's won so many rings. He's such a champion. But he can say, look, when Michael Jack, Michael Jackson, when Michael Jordan punched me in the chest or punched me in, in the, the face. face like I came back at him and fought back. You cannot take that. The truth of the matter is, and that so fine they had that on court thing. But the reason I feel like Jordan has flailed in life after it is the fact that he could have connected with Steve Kerr, or after the fact, after this everything is over, you stop playing and everything. But it's interesting to me that he had to call back and get Steve Kerr's phone number. Like that shows you how he doesn't have any of the other teammates numbers on his team. Michael Jordan could have sat down with Steve Kerr and said, you know, we never talked about our fathers and maybe we should go out and play golf and just have it out and talk about and what not we have play golf for money and not do that. I'm not going to try and win your money, but just talk about what we both went through, because maybe there's a common ground and maybe there's a friendship that we can develop. Who knows? Maybe then Michael Jordan could. I know he's with the Charlotte Bobcats, right? Is he still part owner with them? Just try, I, yeah, I get uh, maybe right or the Hornets now. The Hornets, back, they're back. Yeah. The Hornets, but I guess he's part owner there. I don't know what he is anymore. But the point is that like maybe you could develop a relationship, but he can't because he does not have friends and he cannot have friends. And while he did prove himself to be the greatest of all time, he he is going to forever be a tragic figure. I mean, it's interesting to see like him in that house, even though he contained that whole thing and his people produced it. The idea that he still it's like you can't you still can't hide the fact that you were that that there were warts and that you weren't able to patch up every relationship. And the lasting image of the last dance is like the image on the cover of the last dance is Jordan sitting alone yep. in his big house, smoking a cigar, yep. hunched over. Yep. It's like not surrounded by Phil. And all the guys who he went to war with, quote unquote. Like when you watch the special of the NC State college team. They're all hanging out together. They're all having the best time and they're back together again. Like you would think that on some, like at least one or two of these interviews, 
it would be Jordan and these guys together nope. in some way or shooting a ball around like nobody wants to be with him. Interesting. And so there you go. All right. Uh, let's get to a uh, break. And then we come back. Jensen Karp. I'm really excited to talk to him. And then later on the show, Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz. Guys, with the bustling holiday season well underway, ready-to-eat meal delivery can lend a helping hand, and our good buddies at Factor, they got it. They shop, they prep, they cook, they deliver to your door so you can enjoy chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals during the holidays. How good does that sound? Minus the hassle, that sounds even better. Plus, you know, you got 34 meals per week. Gourmet Plus, Keto, which I've been doing and I love, Calorie Smart Vegan Plus Veggie, and 36 Plus Weekly Add-ons. You'll have plenty of nutritious, flavorful options to choose from. My mouth is watering. I can't even do this ad. Our holidays, look, they're jam-packed. I know yours are too. Everyone's looking down the barrel of like so much busy time. If you got two minutes, you get the factor meals. They're super easy to prepare. And all of a sudden you're having like a restaurant quality meal in your own home. It's cheaper than going out. As we mentioned, 34 meals per week, 36 plus at add-on options. It's amazing. It's cheaper than dining out. Take that money that you save from, from not going out and spending money at a restaurant and spend it on the holidays, on gifts and stuff. Special occasion meal, Gourmet Plus, perfect solution. If you're looking for that, upscale. Their options are done easy. It's amazing. Look, here's what you do. Head to go.factor75.com slash sklar60. Use the code sklar60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code sklar60 at go.factor75.com slash sklar60 to get 60% off your first box. I'm telling you, this factor thing is amazing. You'll be amazed at how much time and money you save, and we all need that as we roll into the holidays. Hey, guys, welcome back to the show. As promised, our guest is an accomplished podcaster, radio host, rapper, Wrote for late night TV and WWE and all that stuff. Uh, I believe the ESPYs. Were you? Did you write for a couple of the ESPYs? Yeah, like five years. Shit, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jensen Carp is Hello. on the show, hey, aka Hot Carl. For those in the rap game who are tuning into this, um, dude, it is such a treat to have you on the show. First of all, let me just start by saying, have we ever met? I feel like we must have. I think we've we've passed the halls of Earwolf for a while and may have said hello uh, okay. while everyone uh, passively, aggressively waited for a studio to open. Right. Okay. So that's where it was. And then part of me was like, man, has he ever done the roast battle at uh, the mm-hmm. Comedy Store? Because that could have been another chance to see you. But I have taken a deep dive into your stuff and your story and all that. It basically... It is so fascinating and so incredible. And I think your your attitude towards it, maybe for what was reflected in what I saw, is, in, in my opinion, remarkably level-headed throughout the whole thing. Well, thank you. First, I, I would like to take credit for that, but that is clearly a therapist work uh, oh, yeah. over many, many years. I, I'm very deep in, I think, 15 years with the same therapist in order to get to the point where I could even admit I was hot Carl right. uh, for many years. I pretended wow. it wasn't a real thing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it was a very odd time in my life that I've been able to accept and it's made me uh, understand. I, I use the word failure only because 
there's no better word for just not succeeding in, in the place you thought you were going to. But I don't it's, know. Uh, we, have I, that, it, we talk about this all the time. Randy and I do, at least, uh, the definition of failure. We've always wanted to do a show about almost a documentary-style show about bands um, that have built a following but for whatever reason couldn't stay in the game anymore. And it's a show that redefines what failure is. You know, I guess if you set your goal to be like the impossible thread, the needle be the biggest thing in the world goal, then everybody fails. Yeah. Well, my Interscope deal, Jimmy Ivan gave me a record deal when I was like 20 years old. And when you're yeah. 20, you're so stupid. You know what I mean? It's oh, like yeah. the minute I signed the record deal, I was like, well, I'm, I'm off to the races. This is, this is what, what's going to happen for the rest of my life. And now at 40 years old, I'm like, yeah, that happens to one person every generation. <laughs> like I mean, that can't happen. No. And you're talking to guys who had a show on MTV when we were 25. We, yeah. we, we got that. We did the pilot. When we were 24 and did, that's, that's very early. Yeah. That's, very early to get anything and you think well this is what it's going to be all the time and it's not, it's not. you got to fight you know what i mean you got to fight your fight and figure out what you do mm -hmm. and reinvent yourself a million times and yeah. it's so funny because i think like athletes you know like think look at someone like greg hardy he played in the nfl he became a domestic abuser that's how he defined himself for a while <laughs> really diversifying it's like not everyone can rush the passer and throw their girlfriend on a bed stack of gun. stack of guns. Not everyone can right. do that. And now he's yeah. doing UFC where, you know, abuse is basically accepted. So, yeah. and receiving no repercussions for throwing a girl on a stack of guns. But uh, the idea that like you do reinvent yourself and you have done so many things, it is fascinating. And the fact Thanks. that you wrote for the SBs is really cool too. So you know your sports. And you have a current, uh, the No Sports Podcast, which is on iHeartRadio, daily. Yeah. Daily. How hard is it? We just started doing a daily podcast ourselves, our other podcast, uh, Sclabro Country, the Virus Edition. It is hard to do a daily show. It's so hard. I mean, I, I've... I accepted what happened is I was, I was on a, a morning radio show every day here in Los yeah, Angeles on yeah. Kevin and Bean on K rock. And, uh, we, we had a crazy mainstream media picked up demise. They fired us like a day into the pandemic. Uh, and it put me in a weird situation. What? So why did they, why did they fire you guys the day? I'm sorry. I didn't follow no, it at that point. But it's what? okay. They, I mean, listen, they'll tell you it was ratings based, uh, I don't see how that's necessarily the case considering our ratings hadn't moved in about a year. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, we're not a cheap show. You know, we have six, seven people on the morning cast and right. uh, I think Intercom has now, you know, even in the sports world, we've heard what they're doing with WFAN asking Francesca to take a, a break and Boomer taking like a 25% salary cut. So wow. I think it was, I think it was some financial stuff going on, but you know, it was just a bad timing. The, you know, the audience in podcast and in radio, they don't want to change their patterns right now. It's just not with everything that's going on and seeing the response from the listeners was incredible. And, and their ratings, I, I, if they had problems with our ratings, wait till they see the next book. Uh, yeah, and so exactly. that's been, and that's been nice to see. So I was approached by this company, tree, tree four media, uh, who, uh, who was so great about this and immediately, same as me started thinking about these athletes who have been practicing their sports since they were like five years old every day. They were the best person in their city since the minute they picked up a, a ball. Legendary. Legendary. The worst person in the NFL. Okay. The yeah. worst person on number 12 guy in the NBA, Brad fucking Sellers yeah. on the, on the, uh, Calabrini. 
Calabrini. Calabrini is the best player that anybody from his town has ever seen. Ever seen. I know. I, I, I one time uh, took a taxi in Vegas and a guy asked me what my favorite basketball team was. And I said, the, the Clippers. And this is before the blow up, Lob City and sure. stuff. And he goes, oh, I went to high school. The greatest basketball player who's ever come through my city was on the Clippers. And I go, who, who was it? it? No, uh, even worse, Keith Kloss. Oh, <laughs> Keith Kloss. And I realized he goes, Keith Kloss got every chick in the whole high school. And I was like, this is insane. Well, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go but ahead. this is this is just the first time these guys have never played the sport. And I was so interested to talk to them. And they gave me the opportunity to speak to a different athlete every day. It's insane. I've had, you know, Al Harrington on to talk about his weird weed uh, industry empire yes. that he's running. I've had yeah. Jay Williams on to talk about that weird cruise ship idea he had. Yeah. Uh, where what you cruise, what cruise ship idea did he have? He wanted the NBA to restart on cruise ships. I thought his idea would be to have cruise ships powered by his destroyed motorcycle. <laughs> no, no, but we did talk about his destroyed motorcycle. I mean, uh, but yeah, I've had on guys like Amir, Amir Garrett talks about his fighting career a little bit. Gavin Lux, who was supposed to be rookie of the year this year. We have on different people uh, every day to talk about both their quarantine and if they're missing sports like I am. Well, it's amazing that you, it's so funny because in, in watching a little thing that you talked about your history and, and your love of third base, and of course mm -hmm. your interaction with MC Search, I want to yeah. just, because it's funny, I, that for us, like Jay and I are always like the greatest Jews in the history of Jews were the Beastie Boys, hands down. I just, they're, 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 this, they're in the Jewish Hall of Fame. It's them and David Ben-Gurion. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. know who else, maybe Richard Dreyfus. I don't know. But I mean, yeah. the, the idea that like, but we were huge third base fans. We were like gas face fans. We just, mm -hmm. I mean, that album. Professor P. Nice, Professor P. Nice, he came on Cheap Seats and did a yeah. thing on Cheap Seats. He, baseball he guy. Yeah, big, big baseball guy. Baseball lives in Cooperstown. Guy. Does yeah. he live in Cooperstown? Yeah, well, I don't know if you've Googled him in a while. It might not be a safe Google. Oh, he's why is he just talking about how coronavirus is all made up? And no, you know. he he was criminally charged with uh, frauding baseball cards. Oh, yeah, like cutting them and stuff. Super weird story. But he was the curator of the Little League Baseball Hall of Fame for a while. Like the he was really deep into baseball. Deep. So much so, yeah, so much so that he well, got arrested. Look, 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 if you're if you're involved with the Little League. Hall of Fame and the worst crime you have is falsifying baseball cards. Yeah, I'm okay with it that. It could be much worse. <laughs> it could be way worse. It could be. Uh, but I talked to Serge still like weekly. We're still very close. He's uh, the, one of the nice guys. Tell Serge that we love him so much. I just love like it's I'm sure he'll be like who? Uh, but he's that whole thing was the again Serge was like really socially conscious. You go back yeah. and look at like his he was like standing up for women and standing. I mean, he was like putting it out there and like going after MC Hammer. And like, oh, yeah. Just an insane. So in the gas face, he went after like South African white leadership. Like, yeah. you know. Black, black cat is bad luck. Bad guys went black. Must have been a white guy who started all that. Started I mean, all that. That I mean, was right off the top. That and he just. But but there was something fun about him, even like gas face. There was something fun about them and and the Beastie Boys, not to lump them together because they're not the same by any stretch. It's like saying the Bengals and the Go Go's were the same. They're not. Yeah. They're not the same just because they were all women groups. Yeah. No. So like they're not the same. But there was a level of fun that I think Jay and I took from that 
and we were like, this is how we need to perform. We need to have fun with each other. When we're doing our bits and we interact with each other, we need to interact like the BCs interact. We need to have fun. Mm -hmm. That's what I saw a lot from your performance thing. And I'm sure that carries through in everything that you do, like a level of fun, level of interaction. And just, I feel like rappers get that. Yeah. I've tried my hardest to run away from rap. I got to be honest. Like I've, I've tried my hardest to, to focus purely on, I've done stuff for Stosh Baron Cohen. I've done the ESPYs. I've done every, everything I've done has involved rap at some point and I don't try to do it. It doesn't come up. uh, It doesn't come up in my mind. It just somehow organically gets there. And I think it's because of a mentality I've had since battling, since freestyling, since, you know, being able to jump in. It's, it's very improv based, obviously. And, and I think it's just, it's just the form. I think it's, you know, like, like when we worked on, on who is America for Sasha. Yeah. Um, Sasha rapped, obviously that was where she yes. started yes. and whatever. And, totally. um, and so we talked a lot about rap and it, it never was like, let's involve rap in this show. And then I think maybe a month or two in, we came up with, you know, there was a, a left wing character really out there, liberal and a Bernie Sanders kind of type. And yeah. we were just throwing around ideas. And I, I don't even think I pitched it. I think it was, let's have him rap battle. Um, and then there I was setting up the Atlanta rap battle and it's just like, it happens in every situation. Like you said, it's just the energy is there. And I think, I think even without, without Googling me or finding out my past, I think it's just a weird, you know, kind of a new wave thing. I can't explain. I think it, I I think there's something to it in the, I liken it to like improv. Okay. There's a lot of bad improv out there. Yes. There's a lot of bad rap out yes. there there's just a lot of bad rap but if you can be original and you can be yourself it doesn't it's still a really beautiful medium like i the other day i was showing my son who's 11 who's now just starting to get into the things that i'm into uh i showed him a bunch of mac lethal videos oh, yeah love mac. We, we love mac lethal we kind of know him a little bit mm-hmm. and you know if we ever do a show in kansas city definitely have him on Mm -hmm. but what i loved about what he was doing is okay yeah so his hook or his catch is that he can rap so fast and so quickly and just the sheer volume of words a thousand words in two minutes is insane but like all that kind of stuff is yes that's part of what he does but at the same time i love his rhymes he's funny and he's creative and he and he uses humor and he's original and he has a voice now there are probably ten thousand crappy Mac lethal ripoffs who suck. There are. Yeah, there are a million fake Mac lethals. Um I uh I love him purely also because he's put in the due. You know, he's he's done he's done what he needed. He's been around forever. I mean he, he's right. paid his dues. Um and he's a good rapper. At the end of the day, I've always argued that you have to be a good rapper. No matter yeah. and, and I mean with us, like our feeling of what rap is, not just like what little Uzi Vert is. A- at the end of the day, you you still need Nicki Minaj is still very popular because she can rap. Right. Yep. Like she doesn't use it a lot, but if she needs to, she can rap. Two chains can rap. Those yep. the, even the people you think are annoying, I think that Chance the rapper can rap. Like they can do their gospel, they can do all those things, but at the end of the day it's still the art form that that leads the way. If yep. you walk around and say I still walk around and say I am not Jasmine, I am Aladdin. I say that yeah. like as yeah. I'm making fucking eggs. Like yeah. of course it, I'm not Jasmine, well, I am Aladdin. Well, but there is something when you see a crew of people on stage, there is a teamwork element to it that I think equates to sports. And there is a teamwork of, you know, what is what was Stockton to Malone? 
It was or who it, were the Bulls to Jordan? That's the most it relevant. Was the handoff. Yeah. It was that. It was the pick and like pick and roll is rap. You know what yeah. I mean? You're gonna go this way, and I'm gonna go this way. I'm gonna toss the rhyme to this person, and then he's gonna pick it up. Yeah. So there is there it equate, and then for us in comedy, being a duo, that's exactly what it is. It is so. It's musical. It's rap because you're speaking. And at the same time, there is a sports element because we grew up with sports in our lives. There's yeah. that element to it on, on that level. How did you get involved with the ESPYs? I mean, yeah, uh, I had done this UCB show uh, for a while called The Live Read. And it was basically I would take some, you know, like Jason Reitman was doing live yeah. reads at the MoMA or whatever. And I thought it would be funny to do very bad movies at UCB. Like, I just thought it was a funny thing to take it as serious as Jason Reitman was doing it, but to do it at UCB for crap movies. So funny. Yeah. And so I, the first one, I technically the first one I ever did, I found the entourage script at someone's house, but years, like a year before that movie came out and we did that movie. Oh yeah. And it was so, I mean, it's as bad as you ended up seeing it, but I mean, we did the live read with like Rob Hubel and uh, Joe Latruglio and, and it was a great live read. And so people were like, what's next, what's next. And I knew I wouldn't be able to steal scripts uh, all the time. So I got an old space jam shooting script and I was like, I want it to be space jam to do it. And, and uh, I somehow got to Blake Griffin and, and told Blake, I knew he was a huge space jam guy. I knew one of his birthday parties was space jam themed. And he's and, so funny. He's and he's so funny. He's genius. So and oh so, God. and so I got it to him. He was like, yeah, I'll do Michael Jordan. And then all the rest of the cast fell in place. DeAndre Jordan came and played Charles Barkley. And we had uh, Paul Shear, Ben Schwartz. We had, uh, right. uh, actually, funny enough, when we were just friends, my wife, who who played Topanga on Boy Meets World, Danielle yeah. Fischel, she yeah. came and played. And she was just a friend at that time. Wow. Uh, and we had, I mean, it was it, Gerard Carmichael was an extra. You know what I mean? It was like right. a crazy cast. And so it caught the attention of the Espies. They thought it was really funny. Um, Drake was hosting my first year. Yeah, we found we, out, we saw we it. Were, we were yeah, in the crowd. We were great, great SPs. And they called me and they said, you know, we want to do something with Blake and Drake. We know you have a great relationship with Blake, which was like kind of BS. I had just done yeah. Space Jam with him. Uh, right. And so they said, do you have any ideas for Drake? And I was like, yeah. I mean, that's my whole life has been rap and basketball. That's, I mean, this is right. made for me. And that's so right. they hired me that year. And then I, I had done it five years in a row until I think last year when I had my kid. Oh my God. That's phenomenal. We were at that once. You worked with like Morgan Murphy. Yeah. Morgan was good, good, great, talented, funny. It's, you know, I mean, we made a career out of doing sports and comedy. Yeah. You were the first really in my mind. I don't remember seeing it before you guys really. So there, there's just, there is a, there is a level to it. There are things that you can, people who know sports and understand sports there, you can make the jokes that they would understand in in, in a sports sense. It's a language. I mean, I think it's funny because I've, you know, and showing going back and sort of looking at some cheap seats because we put it on our YouTube page. Yeah. We've just started populating our YouTube page with small cheap seats and going back and rewatching it. What I realized, and this is one of the reasons why I love the ESPYs and what, and one of the reasons why I love, you know, the humor that we all try and create is that we are trying to make comedy, at least on cheap seats, we were that stood toe to toe with. The Daily Show and Conan and all that other stuff. We wanted it to be people's favorite comedy show or in that realm. And then at the same time, we didn't have to apologize for the most specific. Like there was no such thing as inside baseball. In fact, yeah. if you were inside baseball, you were in the exact, you were at the right spot. Yeah. And so, you know, if we make some joke about Dave Parker 
Jackson's nickname being the Cobra, like mm-hmm. connection to his, you know, schlong. Yeah. Like that's, that to me is, that's a nod to all the people who know, who mm-hmm. know that's why he was called the Cobra. And when we go that deep, we joke about, you know, Lenny Dykstra's Which, car wash. I mean, the interesting side note, I can't believe that Dave Parker's uh, dick was poisonous. I mean, that to me is <laughs> that just- was very dark. That is unbelievable. Well, what's crazy is that he would tell women, uh, you have to suck yeah, the venom, venom out of it. Oh, come <laughs> on. <laughs> got it coming. There it is. There uh, it is. We got there. We got there, Jensen. We got there. It's amazing. The, the sh- that show was consistently wonderful from like the John Hamm hosted yeah. one. And he's so goddamn funny and he knows his sports. So he's a good buddy of ours, knows his yeah. sports so well. Yeah. I just uh, Lance, Armstrong. Lance Armstrong was good. Were yeah, Lance. I did not work that one, but that's the highest ranked one. That's the highest rated one of all time, which is still we. Other than the uh, the Caitlyn Jenner year, which I was on, that became obviously the highest rated one. But but before that, it was Lance Armstrong. Yeah. Um. But I, I, you know, it's funny because when I think about like influences for me in comedy. I, I think it's it's always a miss for people like me or you or the 25 other comedians that get hired for sports stuff. You know, I think I was just as influenced by stand-up as I was Oberman, Kilborn, Dan Patrick, you know, like the real run of SportsCenter. Like yeah. those guys, the Jumanji stuff, all that stuff, they had all these inside jokes that I think I grabbed onto at a young age. And I, that was funny to me. That was just as much as the Steve Martin records that my parents had given me. It's so funny because people ask us, who were your influences? Well, there were no twins doing it. <laughs> None. The Smothers Brothers already did what they did. And that was, we didn't want to have a straight man and a funny man. And they did it better than us. Our old joke was that our mom loved the Smothers Brothers more than us. <laughs> uh, but the idea that like, who were we looking to? And I would absolutely say from a sports sense, those, this is sports center commercials that Wyden and Kennedy oh, yeah. did. Also the relationship between the two anchors on that show, the ability to break into someone else's highlight and oh. comment on what they were doing or to reinforce or to push each At other. Point, there'd be a shot of like New York city for a Knicks game. And you see like the, uh, the empire state building and, Kilmer would be like, there he is, the big man in the middle. (laughs) It was also, they fourth walled so much. Like a lot of news didn't. So I I remember the idea that they would look at the camera and and joke and then laugh at each other, then mess up and keep the mess ups. I mean, all that stuff seemed to to gravitate towards comedy more than it did sports. It goes back to having fun. It goes back to having fun. I mean, I, again, I just watched the Beastie Boys documentary on, um, on the Apple, Apple, yeah, Apple Plus, and I mean, I don't know if you went to the live show here in LA at the Montalban, or you watched the. Did you watch the? I special? watched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you read the book? I read the book. Like the book more than the special, but I did. I did appreciate both. I agreed. I mean, I thought the book was incredible. I mean, the yeah. chapter on Mitchell is worth Ugh. is is the whole book in its like that in its own right is so worth. Good buying the book and reading it. I just didn't, I don't know. I didn't, again, this is me picking stuff apart that shouldn't be picked apart, but I like, I didn't think they looked comfortable on stage. I think I liked it as a written word. I think they didn't look comfortable on stage and I found that kind of charming. That was just because I'm like, this is what I loved about it. And this is as a performer who stood on stages before, like they're, 
what they did on stage as rappers and what they did in their interaction with each other. That was something that for us was like super influential. We wanted to be the BC boys. You come in with one thing. I come in with another thing. We both end on the punchline together. Like that was very, talking about influences. That was very influential. And then they're up there kind of doing their thing and they were a little uncomfortable. I'm like, yeah, this shit is hard. Comedy and just talking and just doing and, and telling who you are. That stuff is hard. But I just, there, there was a level of fun to it. And I always felt like those guys were, like the Beastie Boys ABA shirt to me yeah, I was that. like a big, like, oh, you can connect that together. Cause mm-hmm. the ABA was this free flowing, you look back at the ABA, like. Do you loose. remember, remember they used to do the weave on stage? Yes. Yeah. They used to do the weave. That's just so funny. I mean, yeah. again, as kids who went to the Globetrotter, like actually saw the Globetrotters as kids in St. Louis where we grew up and watched the Globetrotters cartoon, just that yeah. concept of, we did a Cheap Seats episode where like, we <laughs> went to like a, a prison. prison. We're like, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd fuck <laughs> with these people. <laughs> it's like, are they good if they threw like water on the warden and the place went crazy? No. Yeah. It's like nuts. I was like, it's gonna be a riot. Like you're inciting <laughs> metal of lemon. You're very bad idea. Yeah, uh, Mark Lemon just chanting Attica because that's going to start some stuff. Yeah, S- Sweet Lou has a different definition there. Right. But it was uh, <laughs> uh, Sarah Awa O. Do you remember he got a reference in a Beastie Boys yes, song? I got more hits than Sarah Awa O. And I remember who knew who that was in hip hop? Like it was like it was so unknown that those kind of sports references to me connected heavily. And I got mad hits like Rod Carew. Like it was Rod Carew. That's another as a yeah. Jew. The Rod Peru, uh, technically not Jewish, but he went to our uncle's synagogue down in Orange <laughs> County. Which listen, I, we'll take him. We'll take him. We'll take him. I mean, yeah. technically he's not, but he married a Jew, and like she was part of like the synagogue's first group. Listen. I mean, we knew a lot about. It. But there was something like our again. It's the reason why we love Gar Ryness, the batting stance guy. Why he's our guy. Yeah. Like Gar's, and again, this goes to sports and comedy. So Gar hits us right in the fucking, like right in the sternum of it all. Part of the Venn diagram of everything. (laughs) So Gar's thing about Rod Carew, which I just love so much, is that he was so relaxed (laughs) when he, and he did this on Letterman. This is why it was so good. I highly recommend going watching his clip on Letterman. He was so relaxed when he was at bat that like between pitches... (laughs) He would fall asleep. (laughs) And it just was like, it was so, but like, okay, that's something that you get and you would love and we get, we love. And I mean, we're, we're a little older than you. We're eight years older than you. So I'm sure you didn't grow up watching like the baseball bunch and that sort of stuff. That's a little before your time. Just barely. But I mean, like I was uh, like, even Look, I mean, I, I look at it as baseball cards, really. It's like 86 was my first year. So I remember that tops year. And that was where right. I sort of, that was where I was obsessive. That was where I knew like Keith Hernandez's wife's name. Like that was the gross yeah. sort of like, that was where the stats started to run. And then 87 had the wooden borders and that's just off to the races. Yeah. yeah. That's- we were 83. So if you go back a few years, 83, where the little circle was in the lower yep. corner. And yep. so you have two photos on one card, which is insane. Insane. That concept. 83 and 84 did the square. So yeah. uh, they, they kind of ran through that run. Those were big influential years for us. And then like our cousin gave us his 1972 complete set Ooh. of cards. That's where the the letters like are in an arc above. Yeah, that. I love that year. And they're like sort of coming three D, and they're really so good. Almost look like a theater. Like yeah. You know, By the way, when when people are like making mock ups of old baseball cards, they kind of use that mock up. 
like they without even knowing it. Like that's the one they use. That I mean, I'll say one of the best moments for us, and we've done a lot of great things in our career, was having tops when they did, like Alan and Ginter did a series on it. Like not a series, oh, but great. like we got our own baseball cards. Uh, but when we, did, when we did the web series back on tops, which had a lot yeah, of I remember that. On in it, we went to New York City. Oh, we, went, we went down to the tops offices, which was way down near like wall street below wall street yeah like almost in battery park and we went up into this nondescript building we go up into these offices that could be anywhere in the freaking world and you have no idea where you like are classic new did you ever live in new york no but i went to the tops building okay great yeah. mm -hmm. okay so we go up and they're like hey you want to go in the relic room and we're like oh. the relic room and we're like yeah we want to go in the relic room we go into this room and they're like we're like, what is this thing? It's this giant brown pinstripe suit. They're like, that's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's draft day suit. Oh. Like, can we put it on? They're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just put it on. They're like, what's it? They're gonna cut it up and put it in cards. We're yeah. like, what's, what's this over here? Oh, that's uh, Tom Seaver's jersey. I put on Tom Seaver's jersey and I'm like, they're like, you wanna wear it for a day? As long as you bring it back, you're good. And so I walked around New York. Unbelievable. Tom Seaver's old jersey. Randy put on Robin Yount's jersey and it fit. I was like, Jesus Christ, I need to just wait. <laughs> I, uh, I did end up there for a very weird reason. I didn't work with their sports division. I worked with a man who, who was in like a hallway. He didn't even have his own office <laughs> for garbage pail kids. Oh, yes. So I, I found myself in some sort of weird marketing thing trying to bring them back. or I forget why I was even there. But yeah. it was a situation where I went into that guy's terrible office. Sports obviously dominates the building. Yeah. And uh, uh, in a bathroom. Yeah, literally the boiler room. Yeah. And he he goes, you know, we talk for a while and then he takes me to his relic room and I was like, oh man, that's this is all really crazy. It's like, you know, un, uncut first series garbage pail kids, which is like my year wheelhouse, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I got home and he had sent me, he sent me the full uncut first series. Oh my no God. That's yeah, an amazing have, thing to have. Yeah, yeah, I have it framed and stuff. It's like, you know, you look it up on eBay and it's like one shows up every five years and it goes for a ton of dough. But this guy, like the Seaver jersey, he's just like, I guess I'll send him one. That is so cool. Yeah. I didn't even think that it's like, oh my God, you're living a dream. I didn't get back the Seaver jersey, but I wore it around for a day. It was so great. So let me so let me ask you this and then we'll take a break and then we've got some stories and stuff. And we were so appreciative of your time. Oh, thank you. And, and again, for those who are out there, uh, the No Sports Podcast. Yeah, No Sports Report. No Sports Report. It's it's on iHeartRadio. Can people get it in podcast form every day? Anywhere, yeah. 30 minutes, basically. Uh, I, I interviewed Justin Turner this coming week, which I'm very excited about. Uh, you know, I've, I've really tried to hit this, the wide spectrum. We're just getting into soccer and hockey now. And with all these rumors going around about seasons coming back it's so that's it's, what i wanted that's yeah. great that's a wonderful thank you for for dovetailing the segue beautifully but uh so so where do you where do we stand on this i mean i know what sports means to us and you know i'm sure it means the same thing to you not having it just like not being able to watch what are you what are you doing what are you watching how are you getting through this period of time you're watching old games on youtube are you what are you doing and do you think First of all, I think baseball, if they can get it sorted out, which I can't, I can't even say they're going to get it sorted out, but if yeah. they can, starting and doing an 82-game season is not a bad idea. No, it, it all makes sense except for the idea that I, I mean, I assume you being Jewish like I am, I just cannot, I cannot accept that everyone's going to be safe. I, I just can't. No. I, I, for some reason, I can't grasp my brain. And then hearing these NBA people talking this week about, 
you know, if somebody, if somebody's positive, let's not stop play. What are you talking about? Yes, exactly. You have to stop play. Pop, by the way, Popovich is 71. Yeah. 71 years old, a, 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 a treasure in the NBA, someone that we should be protecting. And, 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 you know, every coach is over 60, you know, most coaches nowadays, I guess it's not everyone, but a lot of coaches are over 65. Well, this and, is the time right now where Popovich should pass the reins to the woman on his the bed. woman, which she's already done once without trying to, I know, you know, I'm saying I'm like, sure, I, I was thinking about that so much. I wonder if like NBA coach, they could build for NBA coaches. Like, the Hannibal Lecter mask? Yeah, <laughs> some sort yeah. of you know, like a Rip Hamilton. Like a Rip Hamilton, but down below the chin. And look, man, and when you're in the box and you're coaching, you got to wear this, yeah. period. Yeah. I do like the idea of wheeling out Popovich, though, like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, wheel. Very nice. Listen, I don't feel comfortable. I talk to these athletes. They seem more comfortable than I am. I just feel like it it seems stupid to put all this resource into it. All these tests are going to go to make sure that we see a game. It's yeah. like, I love sports as much as the next person. I think we can sit this out for a little bit. I don't think, you know, as much as it pains me to say, I think LeBron ends up with a championship if they stop the season, which kills me as a Clippers guy. Um, I just, I just think. I know. How about this? I mean, we had Jeannie Buss on our podcast two weeks ago. And mm -hmm. I mean, how about, First of all, the craziness of Kobe's death being overshadowed by COVID. That's just. I can't even. It's still all a simulation. And I feel like the Kobe stuff was what started it. Like what I can't agree on most. I, I can't understand most things. And Kobe was the first one where I'm like, like, I don't feel real. But this season being what it was like, and this season being, I would say, a tribute to Kobe in many ways. I mean, I, I talk about this all the time on this podcast. My son is 11. This is the season. This is his coming of age season. So yeah. he was coming into his ability to, you know, every five minutes, check the, you know, check the standings and yeah. every, you know, season. like it's not going to change from 11 in the morning to 1105. <laughs> yeah. And he just walks by his phone. He's like NBA standings. By the uh, way, 11, 11 is the Jersey year too. That's where you start buying jerseys. So, like, so he's got a hardened Jersey yeah. and he's got it. And he's also got, uh, a Kawhi jersey, obviously, because we're Clippers fans. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is that I think the way the league is being marketed and the way that guys bounce between teams now, it is kind of like, yes, like when we were kids, you loved your team and you fucking hated everybody else. Like you just, I hated everyone. I didn't have a favorite player on another team. I didn't like Pete Rose because every you know, five weeks he came to town and beat up on my team. Yeah. I didn't like, you know, Ryan Sandberg because he was on the Cubs and we were Cardinals fans. But my son loves other teams' players because of the YouTube videos that he yeah. watches them in and because of the marketing and because of the All-Star game. Like, Trey Young, he loves Trey Young. Like, but could you, could you have imagined when we were kids if we saw our five favorite players summer vacationing together on a raft yeah. Like what would your mind would have been like, like the banana we, never, boat. we never even knew what that was. The, the first, when I watched fire and ice, this is how much it's ingrained that like the rivals hate each other. Mm -hmm. When I watched fire and ice, the HBO documentary about Borg and McEnroe, and we remember those. So again, this is, we're dating you, but like, I remember those matches. I remember that Wimbledon. I remember all of it. 
I thought they hated each other. I thought they hated each other to see in this documentary that they loved each other, that McEnroe revered Borg. He wanted to be Borg. He wanted to be Borg, but he couldn't. He wasn't as good looking. He wanted his hair to grow, but his hair was like a rat's nest. He like couldn't do it. That to me was like, it was fascinating to see that and revelatory in, in the same way of what you're just talking about. I couldn't imagine them being friends. I, I mean, again, I had, like you said, I wrote for WWE, so I watched wrestling growing up. And I think that day you learn that they're just all friends in the back yeah. and there's no bad guy or good guy. It's like, it, it really is sort of a big moment for kids these days. Like you said, these mixtapes on YouTube and uh, they're not really picking teams as much as they are superstars. And I, I think that's probably good because it puts the power in the player's hands, not the Donald Sterling's of the world. Like we were, we were forced to root up for, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and so the collective bargaining is obviously in the hands of the players, which is nice. Uh, but yeah, at 11, I, I would not want my seasons to go away. That would be very hard. Especially this season, because you knew that the championship was going to be played on the Staples center court every night being a different thing. Like the, nobody yeah. had to travel. You sleep in your own bed yeah. you just change the visitor in the other locker room and it's like oh it's my crazy. god that would have been western Com- the western conference finals the western well, he, conference yeah finals. yeah but he you know he, you got to look at it too like i i also as a dodgers guy like we were going to destroy the astros this year this was a baseball storyline that would have been incredible to watch and now everyone all, was going to try all and destroy of it the astros. all of it and by the way it was going to hit pop culture massively yeah, I think he, it was going to be a mass beyond. It was going to be a mainstream story. I don't think. I think. I think everyone was excited to see what happens, and and that would have built. And now, you know, this time off is just is really going to ease up on them. And I, I just again, I, I feel like, is it worth putting all this resource, all this possible risk versus reward stuff, just so we can see sports? It's it's hard for me to say yes. All right, let's take a break. That's so awesome. When we come back, we've got quick hits. Jensen Carp is with us. He's got a, a daily podcast, a no sports show. No, uh, no sports report. No yes. sports report. Sorry, no sports report. Uh, you get on iHeartRadio, but you can listen to it there. Anywhere, yeah. Get it anywhere you get podcasts. When we come back, quick hits got some crazy stories. It's View from the Cheap Seats. Stay with us. But still, I close my eyes. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, As we want to remind you, we did just start this YouTube page and we have compiled uh, a lot of stuff that we love. Uh, We're trying to give you guys more content. Uh, We mentioned back on tops, we're going to get those episodes and put them all up there so you can see those. We did a web series called Held Up, which was basically cut together as a movie. And uh, you can get it on Crackle. They they played it on HBO Canada. It's, I mean, it was really a blast to do with uh, Nick Kroll, Steve Agee, Tig Notaro, uh, Eddie Pepitone, Harmar Superstar, all these great people. So we, uh, that's going to be on there called Held Up and a bunch of other stuff and cheap seats and stuff. Uh, anything else? What about, uh, can people get your book still? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. It had a nice little run, uh, during, uh, quarantine. It's called Kanye West owes me $300 and it is the <laughs> entire, it's just a clickbaity title, but it is the entire story from the day I decide to start rapping to the day I decide to stop it. And it's, it's, it, I, I didn't know until I wrote it down. I was like, this is a totally insane, uh, in music industry story that no one else can tell. And I was excited, excited to tell it. I cannot wait to read it. That is it's, on my list of books to read. crazy. A lot of search talk in there, so you'll, you'll yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, man, that. I love MC Search. Man, I love him so much. I really, really do. He was like 
just one of those guys who like, again, came up at the exact time, the long tribe called quest, all yeah. that stuff. It was Didn't, just, I, I feel like Pete nice played at St. John's. I feel like he may have played ball at St. John's played basketball at there or baseball. No basketball. He was a really good basketball player. I don't know if it was St. John's, but I feel like maybe I'm giving him too much credit, but he was a You're really giving him too much credit. He was a really good college basketball player. Pete nice, man. I get, yeah. Didn't he like, I mean, yes. When he was taking time, not sitting on a throne with a scepter in the videos, <laughs> didn't he, I think he maybe had a basketball that he tossed around. Who knows? He, uh, his, his American is most noted. Let's see. All right. Early I love the, I love you know the Google search for us. You go on. You're doing the MC Google search. All right. All right. I think, listen, I don't think he played at St. John's, but he, he was a very good uh, high school and possibly, I think he played college as well. He was very good. Love it. All right. Uh, let's get into some quick hits. Jensen Karp is with us. We're getting down. Uh, I don't know if you read this about former uh, LA Laker Shannon Brown. What did you think <laughs> of Shannon Brown as a, as a Laker? Well, he was a bust, wasn't he? I mean, I feel kind like... Well, I watched his McDonald's All-American game recently. Oh. On, uh, and he was a beast. He was the best player in that game. I like, know. He, high school beast. I remember him in high school. And I, but he then picked, he was picked 25th in the draft. Yeah. Okay. Was he uh, Michigan State? Did he play Michigan State? Uh, and he, I don't know. Maybe. He was, he was arrested for aggravated assault after an incident at his home in Georgia, as first reported by TMZ. The alleged incident uh, took place. On May 2nd, occurred when a couple looking for homes in Tyrone, Georgia, noticed a for sale sign in Brown's front yard. It's, by the way, should you be going around to people's <laughs> houses these days? I know it's freaking Georgia, but like no. the virtual tour on Redfin would actually yeah. work. Everybody's or maybe take a few months off of buying houses. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. <laughs> listen, you have to sell it. Interest rates are down. So yeah. I understand. Listen, I listen Thurston Howell III, <laughs> you could take a couple days off of buying property. <laughs> Especially this house. If you're yeah. if you're in the market for Shannon Brown's house, <laughs> all right. So sign, there was a sign in front yard. The interest. The couple was interested in touring, and they noticed that Brown's gate was open. And so, you know, I, look. D- this again. You. It's maybe not the hours of the open house. There right. is a sign saying this is when it's open, but they. He. Okay. They were told to come in. By who? I guess Shannon Brown. And it seems pretty innocuous. If, again, if you want to sell your house, a for sale sign is like an invitation to be like, oh, this house is for sale. I can go in there and ask, even though we're in a pandemic right now. So Brown allegedly confronted them after that before letting them leave. Now, did he think they were going to like try and rob him? I don't really. I mean, as an athlete, you're always, I, I assume you're always nervous. You're going to get like the a robbery or your chain snatched or whatever happens. But like, I do think when you're at your house and there's a real estate sign up, I think you know why someone's at the gate. The right. Couple, the couple claims, however, that Brown fired five or six gunshots at them as they left. That is not what you expect <laughs> leaving. You expect to leave with like a pricing sheet, maybe a cookie. You don't you expect to be part of no. the Hunger Games in Georgia. Much like his pro career, though, he did not hit them with the shots, no? <laughs> he five missed all of his five shots. shots and missed them all. He was missed over them all. Five. Perfect. I wonder if after he shot at them, the couple shouted behind, you know, back over their shoulders. Okay, we'll lift the inspection. Some people. I would just yell "brick" and keep running. Yeah, (laughs) Brown. He was bonded out of jail on May fourth. He has not yet issued a public comment. He does not have a prior criminal record. Again, this is like, why now, dude? Why you? You actually managed. Again, as we were talking in the first segment, how difficult it is to make it on any level. 
guy who was a bust in the NBA is the greatest mm. basketball player. His community, his college. Brandon his Brown. I watched him in that McDonald's All-American game. Like, this is one of the best players I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Right. High school career was insane. Right. It. So, but he had a difficult time in the NBA because it's tough. Yeah. You can be the best comedian ever. And if you don't have Seinfeld like show, people are like, oh, what happened? Where then the where are they now? No, they're working. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I when I um interviewed Al Harrington for the podcast, I looked into his stats because I thought he was a bust in my mind. You know, yeah. you forget he played like 15 years in the NBA. Yeah. He averaged over 13 points a game for his entire career and had like five and a half rebounds. I was like, that's a bajillionaire nowadays. Like he, he he would have a huge contract. He's Al Harrington, not Othella Harrington. Folks. Big difference. Big difference. Big All difference. right, Brown had not played the end of the NBA since the 2014-15 season. He was selected number 25th overall by the Cavs in 2006 and spent parts of two seasons there before landing with the Bulls. He ultimately played for eight teams. So yeah. he had some contracts there. Charlotte, L.A., Phoenix Suns, Miami Heat, New York Knicks, and San Antonio Spurs. He played in the D-League and the Big Three. And that's and now he's going to kind of be remembered like in the real in estate. estate market. <laughs> like this, this estate just got real. Did you watch Big Three games? You. I watched Big Three games. My favorite part is that is Charles Oakley was a coach, yeah. and my thing was how much coaching is going. On? <laughs> yeah, I did. Don't think much. Coach I, did, I did go to I did go to one of uh, those games, and they go by very fast, obviously. Uh, but he, I mean, I, they're breathing so heavy, man. It's incredible. I can like hear them in the arena, like, <sighs> like people it were just gasping. Cool. Yeah. So it is right. Uh, all right. So the, uh, four time Iditarod champion, Lance Mackey, I guess that's a name that we should all know from the Iditarod, uh, has been disqualified from this year's race due to a positive test for the drug methamphetamine. Hmm. That tells you how little respect a four-time champion of a sport gets. That's number one. And still, like, the athletes are the dogs. Yes, I know. I know that it takes stamina. And I know that it's like a different kind. So how is that a performance-enhancing drug if you're on methamphetamines? How? If anything, I think it hurts his performance. You think right. so? Like, weed would be better because it yeah. calms him down in that moment. Yeah, he's on this sled for hours or whatever it is. I mean, Maybe. that guy, he, he should be at home. Days, yeah, he should be at, he just wants to go home and clean. Right? Listen, how much, Molly or something. how <laughs> little respect does a four-time champion of this sport get? None. That, like, None. I'm sure if he goes out, nobody recognizes him unless he's with the dogs. It's got to be hard. It's awful. More people have seen snow dogs than even seen any of his races. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, what if his what if Mackey's rap name was Cold Carl? I'd allow it. I'd allow Mackie, it at this point. Thank you. Mackey finished the, he he We said he plans to seek treatment, thank God. Mm -hmm. Uh but look, to me, you should be testing the dogs. Like test them for whatever's in their food because that's the thing. I like look, obviously, it's the same with horse racing for me. When when a jockey is on the horse, I'm like, yeah, you're 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 achieving something by pulling staying. all the right. You're pushing. Maybe he's pushing the right buttons, Jay. You don't know enough about the. I don't know enough. I don't necessarily know enough about it necessarily, but it is the horse that wins the race, correct? Yeah. If you don't have a good horse, you're fucked. I I again feel that I, I feel. I listen. I think drug testing in sports is too too for like too strict already. But like, let him do math. Let, let him do math. math. He's let him do math. math. Let him do math. He said, 
He said, I'm tired of lying to myself, family and friends and fans who've supported me, rooted for me, or been inspired to me. I apologize. Did you say to fans you all. or fan? Fan. Fan. <laughs> fan. Okay. Let's make it I'm proud of the guy for admitting that he has a problem in seeking treatment. I do think he should apologize to the dogs because think about now we've all yeah, seen it down and be like, I've been a very bad boy. boy. <laughs> the idea that like <clears throat> when you see comedians like a ventriloquist comedian, they have a special relationship with the dummy sure. that Otto and George <clears throat> regular people can't understand what that, what that is. And so I can only assume if you're out on the Alaskan, in the just the wilderness with these dogs, you are going to start communicating with them on a deep level. Yeah, you're, you're going to be alone. like you're alone. It's like dark, like 18 hours out of the day. You're with these dogs. You're like, let me put some peanut butter on my paw. <laughs> what is that? What did you say, Lorraine? Like, you, like he will definitely <laughs> turn to a dog and be like, what did you say? And imagine, oh. imagine that on meth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How much more fun would that be on that? I don't know on. if he needs it. It sounds like he has natural meth. Um, he okay. said he's he's been open in the past about his substance abuse involving cocaine and alcohol. Cocaine to me is just a little post Iditarod party. Yeah, you know, got to burn some of that steam off. Can you, can you imagine all the Iditarod tail he got, and you know that's what he called it. <laughs> man, the man and the woman who is the Iditarod champion, like. That's what they get. They get Iditarod tail just from the championship. And it's uh, only a couple of people. Similar to truck drivers, though. I mean, they do those uppers and those smelling salts and all that stuff. Like, you got, I mean, it, this is the same thing, man. They, they got to stay awake. Let right? him baseball in the uh, in the 1960s. That's Everyone, right. Like, the yeah. Bad News Bears go to the Houston Astrodome. Instead of chanting, let them play, we're saying, let them That's do math. math. Let them math. Uh, remember, I just this is sort of like a remember when this happened kind of a moment because it, so it marks such a different time, feels like a century ago when LaShawn McCoy ruined the Avengers Endgame for everyone. Oh, on Twitter. On Twitter. Oh, it's the he best. He just tweeted RIP Tony Stark. <laughs> like on Thursday. Like, and by, out, like he did it like a Wednesday, it came out. So, like, so oh. with people actively saying, please don't do that. Please and, don't do that. He was like, like, what? Like, here's my thing. That was shady. That was shady. That was, his nickname is shady. So like, and like, wasn't he? And so he went on. The reason why it's relevant today is he went on our buddy uh, Kyle Brand and uh, Peter Schrager. Those are two buddies of ours who do Good Morning Football on NFL Network. And he went on and he said, "quote It was the worst decision I made in my entire life. The worst." Now, weren't you accused of trying to rob your ex girlfriend <laughs> of jewelry you gave her? Yeah. Yes, it was settled. Yes. <laughs> Charges, Charges were dropped, dropped but still, like ruining Endgame. I don't want to blame the victim here, but I'm going to say this right now: if Endgame means so much to you, if the movie is something you're looking forward to, like nobody's business, starting Tuesday of that week, I'm getting off of social media until I see the movie. Mm -hmm. It's like Lashawn McCoy shouldn't be the one spoiling that movie for you. Like you're following social media too closely on a week that you don't want to hear spoilers. That's yeah. on. Uh, I don't. I, I I remember. I remember him doing it, and I remember how mad people were. And I remember thinking to myself, "This isn't going to affect the movie at all. It made like bajillions of dollars. Right. People will still see it even when you know the ending." Uh, but I also wondered where the Venn diagram was between people who 
felt spoiled on Endgame and were following him. It's probably, again, because it was such a big movie, like I'm sure that probably crossed over to a lot of people, but I just love, to me, the bigger thing is that he was saying going on Good Morning Football was the worst decision he ever made. Not going on Good Morning Football. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Good Morning Football was fine. It was his decision to ruin Endgame. I thought it was going on Good Morning Football. If that was the case, then... He, That's rough, yeah. He harkened back. But then there's a moment when I hear that story, and Jensen, you'll probably agree with me on this one, like, where you're like, how sweet and quaint that was, that, like, someone could ruin, like, us all going out freely to a movie. Oh, like, man, those days. Another time. Another time. I watch movies now, and I see people hugging, and I'm like, what is going on? What happened? Where have we gone with this? Feels very odd. Yeah. Dude, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I'm excited. I really am excited to read your book. I've oh, been, thanks. It's going to go from one neurotic Jew to the other. I'm reading uh, Fleischman is in Trouble, and then okay. I'll get yours. Well, Portnoy's next. If you, Portnoy's Portnoy's be, I know. Yeah, okay. Portnoy would be complaining. Columbus, uh, that's from yeah. a Michigan fan. Um, yeah. I like that one. So, uh, dude, I, seriously, this is so great. I, I can't believe it's taken us this long to really sit down and for real have a have a great sports chat and thanks for being so honest and open. And and again, I hope people will check out the No Sports Report. Yeah. How can people follow you on social? Uh, it's just my name. It's just Jensen Carp, J-E-N-S-E-N-K-A-R-P. And my wife and I have been doing this very weird thing since the beginning of quarantine where we give away items from our house. Nice. Uh, prizes uh, for trivia on Instagram Live. It's on her Instagram Live Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 7 p.m. Pacific on uh, her Instagram, which is at Danielle Fischel. We've given away like a crock pot. We've given away a $66 <laughs> Red Robin gift card we used once. That's uh, we, amazing. We're, we're running out of prizes. We had John Mayer come by, give out a, a magazine. We've had guests behind us six feet behind glass. Um, it's That's it's very fun. So we do that okay. as well. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. uh, Special voicemail you guys do not want to miss. This is View from the Cheap Seats. Stay with us. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Jensen Carp, unbelievable. Uh, want to uh, remind you that we have a YouTube page. Uh, it's called Sklarbro Country. Go check it out. It's a great way to watch old episodes of Cheap Seats. We have uh, commentary coming out that we're going to be adding to those episodes. We also have commentary on a great web series we did called Held Up, plus stand-up clips and us on other shows. Sklarbro Country, it's on YouTube. Uh, join it. And before we get out of here, we got a voicemail from uh, Christoph Waltz, as promised. Here it is. Randy and Jason, it's Christoph Waltz. I'm calling you because I have a pitch and I wanted to run it by you. I've been, of course, enjoying the last dance documentary series during this COVID-19 outbreak. We've all been quarantined and it was exactly the medicine that I think we all needed. But what I was thinking is, and hear me out, why not a new documentary series that is basketball-focused about my favorite player, the unicorn, Chris Tips Porzingis? It would follow his early beginnings in Latvia all the way to the United States where he became a phenom, a hybrid player that's made for the new millennium. 
a seven-footer with handles who can see the court past the rock, finish at the basket with authority. His days in the New York Knicks organization where he had to deal with the bright glare of being the topic of conversation in Madison Square Garden and the Port Authority, having Phil Jackson draft him, trying to figure out how to assimilate into New York, and then all the way into his time in Dallas. We would interview Mark Cuban and also the likes of J.J. Barea. There's obviously some off-the-court drama to follow as well, much as we saw with Michael Jordan and what he was dealing with with the death of his father. We would delve ever so delicately into the rape charges against the unicorn. Hit me back. Let me know what you're thinking. I think the tentative title to this would be The Last Waltz. Now, I know what you're going to say, but Christoph, that is using your name. It does not say Porzingis or the Unicorn anywhere in there. Furthermore, there was a famous documentary made by the great Peter Bogdanovich about the band. I've taken it all into consideration, and I still feel strongly that the name should be The Last Waltz. Hit me back. I don't know. I don't There's think no that's way a, you can get 10 maybe episodes that's a 10 part it. episode thing on Quibi. 10 if shorts, 10 maybe. minute episodes maybe. I don't yeah, know. I don't know uh, that's the can. only thing about Porzingis that is short would be this documentary. Yes, that's true. All right, there you go. Uh, thanks to everybody. I want to thank Jensen Carp. Uh, thank you to our friend Brad Morris. Uh, follow both Brad Morris 773 uh, follow at Jensen Carp. So funny. Get his book, all that stuff. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, looking to try and schedule uh, the author of uh, Fleischman is in Trouble. She wrote for ESPN the magazine. Taffy's so good. Uh, just, I, I'm really excited to, to get her on the show, and we'll talk sports with her. Uh, but have a great uh, week. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll see you next week. A podcast network. Will they find a home? Sponsored by Geico. Jane doesn't mind an apartment with no elevator. Five flights of stairs is five flights of cardio. Bob is a little less enthusiastic about stairs. I hate stairs. Compromise is tough, but these two won't have to compromise when they bundle renters and car insurance with Geico. It's easy, and they could save even more. In the end, Jane and Bob found an apartment that's a four-story walk-up. And Bob? Yeah, there's a freight elevator she doesn't know about. What were you talking about? Oh, uh, nothing. Bundling without compromise at Geico.com.